0: Ineffably yours, Part One by Secondhand News, read by Shiny Matham. Chapter six Home, Saturday, August twenty eighteen. The early hours of the morning after the day the world failed to end. You should really let me teach you sometime, it's quite liberating. Dancing, I mean. I always say nothing makes you feel more alive than brisk choreography. If I say yes, will you talk about something other than dancing? Crowley fumbled with his keys, gave up, and hovered his hand over the lock until he heard the satisfying click as the door came unlatched. Slinging his wallet and glasses onto the coffee table, the demon rubbed his eyes with the heel of one hand and slumped back onto the sofa, legs splayed and head sinking back into the soft leather. Where's my phone? he mumbled. Digging it out of his pocket and stabbing absent-mindedly at the screen, eyes narrowed in a vain attempt to bring the graphics into focus. Twenty-five minute wait? In London? Outrageous. (laughs) Meanwhile, Ziraphale was behind him, crashing around in the kitchen, making far too much noise for somebody who was only trying to fill two glasses with water. On the draining board, Crowley called over his shoulder. Then, when he heard two cupboard doors slam in quick succession. On the bloody draining board! No need to shout, honestly. Aziraphale bustled in, slopping water over the floor, the coffee table, Crowley's shoes, and his own hands. There, perfect. Crowley looked at the two glasses, now almost empty, then down at his shoes, which seemed to be wearing most of the water. I've ordered a McDonald's. You have? Aziraphale clapped his hands together in glee. Did you know I've never eaten the McDonald's? Not once. Lose the gut, Gabriel said. Don't listen to him, Angel. He's always been a tosser. No work talk. Tell me what you ordered. He flopped down next to Crowley, legs swinging up with the force of his landing. Chips? Please say chips. So many chips. Too many, actually. Crowley slurred, glaring at his phone as the expected delivery time shifted a further five minutes into the future. My own fault, he muttered to himself, shouldn't have been so petty. Petty? You? Aziraphale looked at him in faux disbelief. Mischief backfiring again? Delivery shafted me one too many times. Smug bastards. Thought I'd give Uber Eats a leg up on the competition. Exclusive deal and all that. No one likes the McDonald's more than a pissed-up Londoner. But yes, mischief backfiring again. Come on, I'll show you around while we wait. He grabbed Aziraphale's hand, hauled him to his feet with more force than was strictly necessary, and led him over to a wide shelf that was groaning under the weight of the plants that were crammed on every available inch of space. This one's Freddy, he explained, running a finger across a bright, waxy leaf belonging to a sprawling anthurium. No leaf-spots, you see. Be more like Freddy. He jabbed a finger pointedly at a small tillandsia that was sporting not one but two crispy brown leaves that Crowley plucked with a growl. Verdant. Xerophel nodded politely as the tour continued with the orchids, the succulents, and finally the ferns. While Crowley babbled animatedly about each specimen, recalling species, place of purchase, and past misdemeanors with ease, Aziraphale watched him, the way his mouth moved, the brightness of his eyes, those eyes, the jut of his collarbones peeking out from the black t-shirt he wore. The angel noticed every tiny motion. He could listen to him talk forever, and maybe he would. He felt like this Crowley was a secret only he was trusted with. To the rest of the world, and beyond it, he was sullen, unpredictable, Cold. But the Crowley that Aziraphale knew, the one he liked most of all, was the excitable, mile-a-minute, smile-brighter-than-the-sun Crowley. His Crowley. The Crowley that he had been before, perhaps. Finally, the plant tour came to an end, and Crowley nudged the bedroom door open, ushering the angel inside. Aziraphale rarely partook in the practice of sleep, but he knew the human bedroom was a person's most private space. It felt like another boundary was crossed as he stepped over the threshold. The bed was neatly made, black duvet tucked smoothly under twin stacks of pillows, one with the slightest indentation that Aziraphale would wager matched the back of Crowley's head. A black T-shirt lay discarded to one side of the bed, and a small dark candle sat atop of a glass coaster on the bedside table on the opposite side of the room. On the bedside table closest to them was a silver alarm clock, a mess of charging cables, and a bright green palm with neatly fanning leaves. This one doesn't stay with the others, then? Aziraphale asked, head inclined towards the plant. Special, that one. Crowley smiled sitting down on the edge of the bed and gently nudging the plant pot. He's been with me for years. First plant I got when I moved here. Needed something to help it feel like home. He's very sweet. Aziraphale sat down next to him, picking up the demon's habit of assigning gender to all plants, a apropos of absolutely nothing. Does he have a name? Crowley looked down, lips curving into a smile that felt like freefall just before he looked back at Aziraphale. I usually just call him Angel. Oh. Aziraphale felt his voice catch, an unexpected swell of emotion blooming in his chest. Home? Doesn't always have to be a place, Angel. A beat passed, then another, and then the angel felt a surge of courage he hadn't felt since, well, earlier that afternoon. Although what he was about to do felt like an even bigger risk than facing off against the devil himself. He reached out for Crowley's hand, fingertips grazing the demon's open palm. How long has it been? <clears throat> As if the sound was a bullet, fell sprang back pulling his hand away and tucking it under one crossed knee as if the almost incident had never happened. Crowley jumped up, hissing as he stalked out of the room towards the intercom. Bloody Uber Eats! Give it to me, Angel. Stop being a tease. Why are you dangling it for Pete's sake? I always wondered who Pete was. The task at hand, please. Well, if you weren't so greedy. All right, all right, open wide. Aziraphale deposited a lukewarm, floppy, decidedly past its best McDonald's fry into Crowley's mouth and then lay back down on the sofa. Fred eagled across one corner, within convenient grabbing distance of the crumpled brown bag of McDonald's finest offerings. They really are the best, even when they're shit. More. Crowley held out his hand, and Aziraphale dutifully handed him a cardboard carton of chips that was only half finished. The two were laying head to head, passing food back and forth, and talking the exact kind of deep rubbish that seemed terribly important and worthy at three in the morning. "'I'm just saying, maybe the shop running down was a sign. Maybe it's time for you to go digital.' "'Digital?' Aziraphale hissed, as if he could barely stand for the word to be in his mouth." How could you even suggest that to me? Gotta get with the times, I'm afraid. That's how we've survived up here this long. Imagine if I was still slithering around, whittering on about apples. We've survived down here for this long because we stopped being you and I a long time ago and started being we. Probably looked across at him, raised an eyebrow at the angel's uncharacteristic boldness. In vino veritas, he thought to himself. That too, nugget. Splendid, thank you. As Aziraphale munched on a chicken nugget, he pondered how differently that day could have ended if the great plan had been executed as it should have. War had never been his ball game, not when books and sushi and early morning walks existed. Crowley, what do you think would have happened? If it had happened, I mean. Not sure I cut your drift, Angel. We should be at war right now. We are, with sobriety and healthy cholesterol levels. You know what I mean. What would have happened to us? You asked me that earlier, the demon sighed, waved a chip in front of the angel's face in an attempt to distract him. If it came down to it, though, To me and you, what would really happen? Aziraphale, he said softly, nudging the angel's head with his own. Let's not do this tonight, please. What happened today is going to make things more dangerous. With us, I mean. It's always been dangerous, Aziraphale said, his eyes trained on the ceiling as a humorless laugh escaped his lips. "'Folded across his stomach, his hands were trembling. "'You've always been dangerous.' Crowley scoffed, though the words stung. "'Come on, angel, you can't fear me. Not after everything.' "'I don't fear you. I said you're dangerous. "'How am I, an angel cast out of heaven, "'a demon probably about to be cast out of hell, "'dangerous to anybody anymore?' Aziraphale hesitated, the stomach-turning feeling a human might experience when dangled over a precipice rushing through him. He thought about that day, what they had done, what it had meant. He thought about the thousands of days that had led them there, about the demon who had led him into temptation. He thought about that night in Morocco so many years ago, of turning away. Of the look on Crowley's face because I would follow you anywhere to the ends of the earth beyond it straight into the pits of hell if you asked me to